telescope photos. And uh, um, I'm just referring to Ecclesiastes 5.7, where it says, therefore stand in awe of God. Uh, this is the way you and I should, should present every day. We should, we should, this is our, our mode of operation every single day. Um, you know, we're accountable to the God who made everything in an awesome way, but he's also sustaining it in an awesome way. And um, so you and I need to stand before him in awe. Now, I'm not sure that that's really the posture that we always have every day. Um, sometimes we're afraid of this or that. We're fearful or worrying about this or that. Sometimes, you know, we're even ignoring the greatness of what God is doing in our own bodies right now. You take a, you take a lot of stuff for granted about your own body, your own brain. Uh, but it's the awesomeness of God that is keeping you alive and giving you some portion of health. Um, so we stand in awe every single day. The other posture that we need to have when we think about uh, life uh, before the living God is uh, what he says through the psalmist in Psalm 46, 10. Uh, be still. Be still and know that I am God. Do you know how wise human beings would be if they would just obey him on this one slide? This one little verse? Human beings would be much wiser. Uh, there's a lot of talking going on <laughs> out there in the world. A lot of talking. Uh, but people who are really wise are actually going to be still, especially at different times, and realize who is in charge of the whole thing. And he's got some awesome things going on. He has some awesome things prepared. Uh, he has brought all of this beauty uh, that we call the earth uh, he, he brought it out of nothing. Even things like the rain. Jeremiah talks about the rain and the snow. And um, we won't go back over all this, but I was uh, encouraging people to, to go outside and get wet. <laughs> Put your hands out. Try to hold on to the rain. I don't know. Do something different. Uh, a lot of times as human beings, you know, we're looking for the umbrella. And... Uh, yeah, anyway, he made it, uh, even the things uh, out of Jeremiah and out of Isaiah where he's talking about the rain and the snow, he's pointing out how it works. He actually says in a couple of these passages, hey, this water, where does this water come from? Do, do other gods make this water? Some foreign god make this water happen? No, no, and God does it with a purpose in mind. He actually has designed things in a way that you have seeds and grain that when it takes in this water, brings about life. And Isaiah is actually saying, hey, out of this same principle, the word of God pours out toward us and then it brings about life. It's in the passage. And there are, there are three in a row here. Jeremiah, Isaiah 55, 10 through 12. Um, 
This is talking about snow and rain. And this is the, the, the thing I just mentioned. Isaiah 49, uh, 9 through 13, talking about mountains and pastures. And, you know, Isaiah must have read the Psalms. I don't know. Uh, he, he's actually talking, God here, about, about shepherding in, in green pastures up in the mountains. Um, and, um, and he's talking about some other spiritual principles in the middle of, of describing the physical creation, which is the way God operates. It's very interesting how he explains things. Um, and in that Isaiah 49 passage, uh, it's, it's talking about, you know, sing for joy, you know, uh, uh, the heavens, uh, rejoice, O earth, burst into song, uh, O mountains, um, anyway, uh, you know, God has a very interesting way of, of communicating uh, just how awesome his creation is. We mentioned uh, a few things about uh, famous uh, scientists who talk about God as the creator of all things. Um, and I actually have a very, very long list of the most famous scientists in history. Uh, all of whom believed in God. All of whom believed in God as the creator. The creator. Um, and uh, it is a long list, but we saw some things Louis Pasteur and Blaise Pascal said. Um, we'll look at the list a, a little bit later. We saw some other NASA photos. Um, very interesting angles. Did anybody see the moon as you were driving in today? Low moon full moon you see you see all of the you can see all of the the one side of of the moon and um you, you know you actually see all the detail of uh, the craters and everything else on the moon uh, this is an interesting shot of the earth we'll talk about this later uh in terms of uh Geology and formations. Um, you have things um, like the Victoria Falls, which uh, apparently is having some issues uh, with drought this year in Zambia, Zambia side. But normally it's just this massive, massive set of waterfalls. It's just gorgeous, um, eye-popping, uh, and the brain, the brain realizes, uh, you know, that this is a sign of a creator and a sustainer. Um, we also looked at a number of other um, passages, Genesis uh, 1, uh, 2, and 3, and I'll actually read this when we get to the video. Um, Hebrews 11, talking about, you know, we understand the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was uh, not made out of what was visible. Uh, God makes things out of nothing, which man can never do. Don't, don't be thinking people talking about cloning and all this other stuff. It means anything. It doesn't mean anything. There's no human being, even with, if they had billions and billions of years, <laughs> and all the help in the world, they could not make something out of nothing. The awesomeness of God. Isaiah 40, 26, telling us to lift our eyes to the heaven, uh, the heavens, uh, you know, every day. It was kind of sunny today, right? 
Snow last night, a little bit of sun today. It's a great day to raise your eyes to the heavens. Um, we see also the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Psalm 19, this, this reminds me of Romans 1. You know, the Apostle Paul, <laughs> he knew this psalm. <laughs> you know, all, all, all of the good Jews knew this psalm. They know this psalm. Um, and um, some other beautiful photos uh, that, you know, if, if somebody sees, looks at this with fresh eyes, they will know and, um, that there is a creator and sustainer. And I underline the sustainer part of this. Here's the Romans 1 passage, uh, Jeremiah passage, talking about the mighty deeds and purposes of God. Psalm 66, talking about shouting joyful praises to God and all the earth, singing about the glory of his name, tell the world how glorious he is. Uh, say to God, how awesome are your deeds. Do you and I say that every day? Do I actually stop, get quiet, and say, God, your deeds are awesome. What you're doing right now to keep me alive is awesome. And we'll talk about that. We're going to talk about DNA and a bunch of other things about the, the human body and the human brain that are almost beyond comprehension. They're so complex, so complex, that the facts in themselves, scientific facts in themselves, show us that there is an awesome creator and sustainer. Exactly the way the psalmist and Jeremiah and Isaiah are talking about. Um, okay. There's some scientific facts, and this is kind of where we're going to stay. Um, as far as I, I want to go as, as a non-scientist, I'll say that. Um, my dad was a world-famous scientist, though, just so you know. I, I come by it naturally. Um, he actually knew um, Francis Crick and James Watson. Uh, he knew Linus Pauling. Uh, he, he worked with them, spoke with them, corresponded with them. Uh, some of the brightest minds in modern times. Um, and he actually did a lot of the same kind of modeling technique that they did. Uh, with, uh, with clay mineralogy and the applications of clay mineralogy. Um, uh, he spent time in England um, with them at Rothamsted um, Research Center. And um, so I grew up uh, hearing things, knowing some things, not being able to understand some things <laughs> that my dad was talking about. Um, so I have a certain view of this, but I, since I'm not a scientist, I'm going I'm to stick with this, and, and then we'll, we'll kind of come back and bolster this. Um, and we're going to see a video, and I'm going to read you something. The universe had a beginning point. Now, um, there's some things that I can share with you. Um, I mentioned Big, Big Bang last time, Big Bang Theory. And I just have to make a point here that uh, one of the men involved in that research team at NASA was a fellow named Dr. Otto Berg. And uh, he was a very, very brilliant man. 
There would have been no lunar landing without Otto Berg. Uh, no lunar landing would have been possible without him, without his research. But he was a creationist. He was a devout follower of Jesus Christ. And he was on the Big Bang team, and he wasn't trying to prove somebody's uh, scientific theory. Um, he knew, he knew that what they would find had to do with the, the creation account. And um, he spent all of his retirement years, almost 30 years, speaking to organizations and groups and churches and rescue missions and everybody he could find, uh, showing all of his research from NASA and everything else, but talking about the glory of God and the creation, the mighty creation of God. Otto Berg, you can look him up. Very interesting man. He lived in Middletown, uh, Maryland, not too far from where we live. And um, so his view of uh, Big Bang Theory is slightly different than what you get these days. And even the way he described it is different from what evolutionists talk about. Um, but uh, there, this, this is where the starting point was. The universe had a beginning point. And mathematicians verify this. There was a beginning point where there was nothing, and then there was something, and a lot of something, a lot of stuff going on. Uh, that's, that's our first point. The second point is space and time had a beginning point, and there's actually, this is not only a scientific fact, but this is also helpful in terms of theology, because the God who made everything is not subject to what he made. He, he, is, he is the eternal God. He made time and space connected to his creation. And you and I are limited by a whole set of things inside of this time and space continuum that he is not. <laughs> And this is something that throws scientists off regularly. <laughs> uh, but even theologically, as I said, it's, it's useful, it's important. Um, space and time had a beginning point. Uh, these two things go together, obviously. The laws and constants of the universe have been finely tuned, underline that, finely tuned to sustain human life. Perfectly, perfectly. Now. I, I would really drive you crazy if I l just sat up here and read all of the scientific ways that this is true. Um, that, that, that if certain things in the universe, if certain things in the body, if certain things in the brain were not finely tuned, and if there wasn't some kind of active power sustaining it, it would not operate. The whole system could not operate. Your body could not continue to operate. Now, I'll read a few of the more fascinating uh, facts, scientific facts, but uh, this thing of, of finely tuned will come up multiple times. Finely tuned by God in the sustaining way. The digital code embedded in DNA molecules in every cell, three billion characters of precise information in digital code so the living cell can stay alive. Uh, we are gonna look at 
uh, how DNA operates to repair itself. And even that little process by itself is impossible. It's impossible, impossible to replicate. Um, there's so much complexity in what goes on inside of every DNA, set of DNA strands in every cell in your body, that if you were trying to replicate the complexity of what's going on in those DNA inside your cells, you couldn't even fit the factory on the face of the earth. You couldn't fit the factory on the face of the earth. You talk about miniaturization, technology and all this kind of thing. Uh, the complexity of the DNA strands, of DNA coding, uh, by itself is a, is a foolproof, foolproof proof that there is a living God who has created things with complexity that human beings cannot begin to comprehend. We're just now starting to figure it out. It's taken forever. Just starting to figure out a couple of little things. But the complexity is way, way beyond the human mind. Um, okay, so this is where we're starting. Get ready to go. We're, I'm going to take you on a little trip here. Stay low, stay low. <laughs> Do you have any sound? We're orbiting the Earth, people. Don't fall asleep back there. We can fly in silence, it's okay. Okay, go ahead and just, just have it run. It's okay. Hey, I was impressed that you, it just, you got it to go on right away. Joe. Uh-oh, you went past it. <laughs> there we go, Joe.
In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light was good. Then he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness night. And evening passed and morning came, marking the first day. Then God said, let there be a space between the waters to separate the waters of the heavens from the waters of the earth. And that is what happened. God made this space to separate the waters of the earth from the waters of the heavens. God called the space sky. And evening passed and morning came, marking the second day. Then God said, let the waters beneath the sky flow together into one place so dry ground may appear. And that is what happened. God called the dry ground land and the waters seas. And God saw it was good. Then God said, let the land sprout with vegetation of every sort of seed-bearing plant and trees that grow seed-bearing fruit. These seeds will then produce the kinds of plants and trees from which they came. And that is what happened. The land produced vegetation, all sorts of seed-bearing plants and trees, seed-bearing fruit. Their seeds produced plants and trees of the same kind God saw that it was good, and evening passed and morning came, marking the third day. Then God said, let lights appear in the sky to separate the day from the night. Let them be signs to mark the seasons, days, and years. Let these lights in the sky shine down on the earth. And that is what happened. God made two great lights, the larger one to govern the day, and the smaller one to govern the night. He also made stars. God set these lights in the sky to light the earth, to govern the day and night, and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And evening passed, and morning came, marking the fourth day. Then God said, let the waters swarm with fish and other life. Let the skies be filled with birds of every kind. So God created great sea creatures and every living thing that scurries and swarms in the water and every sort of bird, each producing offspring of the same kind. And God saw that it was good, and God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply. Let the fish fill the seas, 
let the birds multiply on the earth. And evening passed and morning came, marking the fifth day. Then God said, let the earth produce every sort of animal, each producing offspring of the same kind, livestock, small animals that scurry along the ground, and wild animals. And that is what happened. God made all sorts of wild animals, livestock, and small animals, each able to produce offspring of the same kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. He created them. Then God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. Then God said, Look, I have given you every seed-bearing plant throughout the earth and all the fruit trees for your food. And I have given every green plant as food for the wild animals, the birds in the sky, and the small animals that scurry along the ground, everything that has life. And that is what happened. Then God looked over all he had made, and he saw that it was very good. And evening passed, and morning came, marking the sixth day. So the creation of the heavens and the earth and everything in them was completed. On the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation, so he rested from all his work. All right, so we're going to zoom in on the hypothalamus here. I want to begin with, with the central question of design. Okay, we're going to come back to, uh, to this um, DNA portion next time. And uh, we have several things to look at there. Um, and um, yeah, there's really two, two videos that we need to, uh, to look at connected to uh, to DNA, the design inside the body. But I want us to continue for the moment to think about the amazing design of creation and of the universe. And um, we see in Psalm 73, or 71, verse 3, uh, the psalmist saying, Be my rock of safety. Um, and talking about the cleft of the rock. When Cheryl and I uh, were spending a lot of time out in Colorado, um, we would go to, the, uh, to God's garden. Um, 
the Garden of the Gods in Colorado Springs pretty often and pray up on the rocks. And um, a couple different times I, I actually uh, took her picture inside the cleft of a, of a rock because it was one of her favorite passages. Um, but this God who made all of this uh, also proclaims to us that he is hiding us. He is protecting us. He is holding us as human beings. And in the vastness of this universe and this creation, uh, that means something. That means something. Job 12.10 says, For the life of every living thing is in his hand, and the breath of every human being. You know the different times when I've said, you know, you and I and the atheist aren't entitled to the next breath. You think you are. You think you are. And people who actually believe in theism, they actually think that God is a clock winder, and he just walks away, he winds the universe up, and he walks away and pays no attention. He's not actively sustaining everything by his great power. Uh, they're silly. They're just downright silly. And they're not paying attention to the word of God, that's for sure. But they're not paying any attention to the complexity of what has been created. The complexity tells us that there is a sustaining force. And if you actually watch time-lapse photography of just a bean plant taking root and growing, you will know something's up. There is a sustaining force. Yes, LaDonna. Yeah, yeah. so just in general, the appreciation level, our, our appreciation level needs to go up. Uh, and, and hopefully with some additional information, it will go up. Information that basically tells us more detail uh, about what's going on inside of us and in the universe that is talked about throughout the Bible. The Word of God is full of this. But sometimes I don't think we're really thinking about it in, in detail. And... Um, so he's actually saying, Job is saying, for the life of every living thing is in his hand and the breath of every human being. Uh, it's reminiscent of another psalm uh, where he's talking about, uh, you know, he opens up his hand and, and, and he basically gives life to every living thing by opening his hand. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's the power of God, the sustaining power of the creator. Um, a few more things to think about from the scripture uh, in terms of the creator-sustainer. Um, through the psalmist, he says, the Lord says, I know every bird in the mountains and the creatures of the field are mine. It's an interesting way to view it, right? A lot of human beings probably not thinking about it exactly that way. Um, we, we know the passages about, you know, all, all these different uh, cattle and all these different hills uh, you know, belong to him. Uh, Matthew 6.26, 
Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. That's Jesus' point. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Uh, you ever get worried about where your next meal is coming from or what you're going to eat next time you eat? Um, we kind of get in a certain rut with this, and the reality is God has this. Uh, he, he will help you have what you need. And it's one of the first things that Jesus is talking about in Matthew 6, when he's talking about the kingdom. He's saying, you know, if you put the living God first, you will have everything you need. And Jesus was serious because of all of this. Jesus is serious. Because he is the sustaining force. He gives you everything you need. You're just not thinking about it. You're just not realizing it. Um, here's a sparrow. Anybody here think you're not more valuable than that little guy? I mean, he's cute and everything, but... <laughs> you're a little more complex. You're made in the image of God. Uh, he loves you in a special way, but he still looks out for this guy. What does that tell you? Jesus Christ talking about sparrows? A sparrow falling and he knows? And you got issues and you don't think he knows? I don't think you're thinking about it right. We blossom like a flower and then wither. Job 14, 2. There is a temporary aspect. Temporary aspect. Even with babies, they get bigger. Yeah, God bless you. Uh, we blossom like a flower, and then we wither. That's the deal. That's the deal. Anybody here remember how you felt when you were 18? Oh, sorry. Okay, somebody over there does. Oh, Alan does. All right. <laughs> I'm starting to forget it more and more. Okay, when you're young, you almost feel like, hey, I'm here forever. You don't even think about it. Get out of my way. I can, I can do anything. It's like, no. <laughs> no, you're not here forever. You're inside the space and time continuum temporarily, and you have eternity set in your heart. So you've got to, you've got to make provision. You've got to figure this out and not just get stuck and all tangled up in this temporary space-time continuum, you actually have to pay attention to the living God because he has a greater purpose and it has something to do with his eternal aspect. You might want to read Psalm 50 for me. First two verses. Mm -hmm. Out of Zion, perfection of beauty, God hath shined. Yeah, so, so in an active way, the, the Lord is doing this. He, he's, he, he, is, he has spoken uh, to, to all mankind. Uh, he is summoning all humanity, mine says. He's summoning all humanity with the beauty of his creation, with, with the shining of the sun, 
his glory is seen. Uh, everything that he has created uh, shows something about his glorious radiance, who he is. He radiates glory. That's who he is. You and I don't. Sometimes we give off a decent aura or something. I don't know. Maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> he radiates uh, this glory. Uh, it's, it's awesome. It's truly awesome. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about the, uh, the universe. Um, it's another NASA shot. Um, Isaiah 55, 9 says, Just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. This is actually a clue to scientists <laughs> who are trying to use their human minds to comprehend a level of complexity that is beyond their human mind. You know? You're not going to hurt yourself. Go ahead and try. But there is a limitation, and there is a frustrating that goes on in science, a frustrating that goes on because this is not fully comprehended and accepted. The ways of God, you know, when you start figuring out these strands of DNA, you start realizing the, the complexity of, of life at its base, and you realize, okay, not only is this impossible to happen by accident over billions of years, it's impossible, mathematically impossible, but you actually get to a place where you realize, hold on a second, I can't even fully comprehend the mind that thought this up. I, I can't fully understand it in terms of the science, the operation of it, the level of complexity of it, but as I try to understand it, I've got to realize his ways, his ways are not my ways. I can't use my human logic and, and even, even maybe even my mathematics sometimes, I can't use my assumptions, my human logic to, uh, to really figure out what God has done because his thoughts are not the same as ours. We're made in his image. We're like him in some way, but his mind is above ours. And sometimes scientists don't even want to admit that that's a possibility. That's another reason for ignoring who God is. Yeah? But God gave us his word. Yes. So we could have the word of God. So we could, he wants us to understand. Yeah, the perspective. Right. Right, the perspective of God. Mm -hmm. Right, and that's, yeah. why the, that's why God came down, that's mm -hmm. why God gave us his word mm -hmm. for us to understand. I tr truly believe he not only made it possible for us to understand, but he expects us to understand. Uh, yeah, enough to trust him completely. <laughs> yes.
Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, and, and actually, I was saying this last time, and we'll, we'll, we'll start with this next time, um, that when you start looking at DNA and some other things in the universe, you start seeing uh, what William uh, Dembski uh, calls uh, specified complexity and what Michael Behe calls irreducible complexity. You actually start realizing that the level of complexity, uh, there's no other explanation because a human mind, a human mind couldn't, couldn't uh, do this if it wanted to, but there's no way that mathematically or probability-wise that this is something that could be uh, done by, by chance. It's, it is totally uh, a sign of design. And the way it's talked about among, I said there are probably 10,000 scientists these days who actually believe in God and, uh, and believe in intelligent design. Uh, it, it could be more than that, but among these scientists, you know, they're very, very uh, clear um, that um, the, there is a design element. There's no way that this is happenstance, each one of these uh, things that has complexity. We'll look at the, the universe thing a little bit. Um, there are some um, specific facts that are very interesting uh, related to this. Um, and I'm just going to try one and see if you fall asleep. Um, we're almost done. Uh, okay. Is this the right one to try? I don't know. Um, okay, this is very, very scientific sounding. I'm so sorry. Um, okay. So... Ninety-five percent of all stars are less massive than the sun. And there is this issue of location of the earth in relation to the sun. There's an ideal distance uh, in terms of the, the sun being a certain distance away from the earth in order for there to be the possibility of human life on the earth. Now this this possibility is, is, it is way, way out there. And um, the distance from the star where the, the water in the ocean neither permanently freezes nor boils away. Uh, this turns out to be uh, uh, a range of distances called the habitable zone. Uh, for instance, Venus is too close, so it's too hot. Mars is too far, it's too cold. Uh, but something like Jupiter, Jupiter in the, in the path uh, in our solar system actually acts as uh, uh, an asteroid and comet catcher for the Earth. Uh, if Jupiter was not exactly where it's at with exactly uh, the rotations on it, it has the satellites that it has on it, uh, all, of, all of the characteristics it has exactly, if it was not there, the Earth would have been burned up already by asteroids. Uh, it's, it's just a little tiny thing, but um, there are the distance itself, the habitable zone for the sun is very, very narrow. It means, it means that if basically 93 million miles from the sun, um, the actual distance to the earth, there is this uh, zone width of 0.95 to 0.15, uh, 
uh, AU, which basically means that if the distance between the Earth and the Sun was just a little bit off of 93 million miles, no life on Earth. Not possible. It's a very, very tiny little width, bandwidth, on, on this uh, distance, this habitable zone distance uh, between the Earth and the Sun. And there's a thing going on with the rotation of the Earth and its seasons, the way it tilts, the way it spins. Uh, I will look at the video next time. But there's a whole set of things going on with the Earth that, that if it was just a tiny bit different, um, there's actually a sustaining force to keep the Earth rotating the way it does for the seasons to occur. And it's not exactly what scientists thought it was supposed to be. Um, th this, is, this, is, uh, this is true in so many different ways, uh, not only between the planets and, and just life being possible on Earth in a general sense, but the more facts that we'll look at, uh, if I can um, read them without boring you, the more facts we look at, the more you'll see especially when we come to the human body and the human brain, you'll see that the bandwidth, the, 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 po the possibility and the probability of certain things, if it was just a tiny, tiny bit different, you would not be alive. No one would be alive. Uh, the human being could not exist on planet Earth the way we do if just, if just you know, this and this and this, and this. it's a very long list of things. If they were just a little bit different, um, it tells you something about the sustaining force of God. Um, his thoughts are higher than our thoughts, and we'll look at the, some of the information about galaxies, uh, meteors, and then after that, uh, we'll look at DNA and the human body. Okay, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we uh, thank you for how awesome you are. Uh, Father, please uh, help us to understand more and more uh, the, the power uh, that uh, you have brought to bear uh, to bless us and to work out your eternal purpose and that we get to be a part of it. We get to be involved. We get to exist and we get to know you and walk with you uh, and be sustained every moment by you. Father, we, we need to be uh, more thankful. We need to be more aware uh, of, of just how awesome you are. And uh, Father, thank you for everything you have done, every little thing that we don't even know, Father, that makes it possible for us to be alive and walking with you and uh, trying uh, to follow your Son and become more like him, Father. Thank you for your, your plan and your eternal purpose, and thank you for uh, being grace-filled toward us, compassionate toward us, merciful toward us, your creation. And I pray this in the name of Jesus the Christ. Amen.